Amen. Oh, man. Give it up for that worship team. Come on. I'm going to brag on myself for a little bit. Lola's sitting there going, I don't know what to worship. I don't know what song. I don't know what song. I have this famous saying, hey, the 90s called. They want their song back. We just sing two songs that are too old. <laughs> Whose ideas were they? Mine. And they were. I mean, not to give credit or take credit away from Lola. I can't sing, so she had to do it. But, uh, no, I was like, hey, what, why, don't we, why, don't, why don't we sing uh, uh, Better is One Day? And she's like, what? Yeah, that was me. I was just like, I think it goes well with whatever the Lord's doing this week. So, hey, this is a topic I don't typically preach about. Um, this is a hard topic for me to preach about because I believe God is my supply. Um, but I feel like the Lord's tweaking it a little bit because that's who God is as we're, we're doing worship, and that's, like, he, he captures our mind a little bit more as we worship him more, and as we get into him more, and as we are in the moment with him more, and so um, I, I want to read this real quick. I stole this from the same place I stole what we just read, but uh, I changed it up a little bit. We do not pass a bucket, a basket, or a plate at West Des Moines Open Bible. We believe donations or tithes and offerings are an act of worship, just like everything else we do, Giving should come from a place of a personal gratitude and a sacrificial self-discipline. So we have created the space for you or myself to give on our own. Okay? Please do not mistake our lack of visibility as a lack of value. Our giving station is in the back and is an integral part of our worship experience. You may also use our app, if you could throw that up, um, or our website to give securely. Um, if you need the app, the QR code will be up randomly through this message, not because of us needing money. I, I don't want you to hear that. I just want you to know that as the Lord speaks to you, as he directs you, if he changes your heart, changes your mind, changes your direction, we want it to be there for you. Maybe you're just saying, hey, I just need to connect then we want it there for you because this is the same thing that you would, you would scan, you would pull out your phone, pull up the camera, click on it, and then you could connect with the church, get plugged in, and we have a free gift for you. So um, we want to bless you that way, but also part of the purity fight is giving God what is God's. Giving God what is God's. Your life happens to belong to God. Give to God what is God's. And so I want to read this first section of scripture. It's going to be a lot about tithing, a lot about giving, a lot about this and that. But hear the heart behind it. I don't want anyone to feel pressured into giving financially. Because here's the thing. If you're pressured, your money's not welcome here. Okay? Period. If you've got bills that you're like, I'm so worried about them, I'd rather you focus on your bills, not this. You can give to God what is God's in different ways. And we're going to get into that. So uh, Leviticus 27, verse 30 says this. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals 
and you may not substitute one for another. But if you exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back. Okay, that's crazy. Now let's read Proverbs 3, 9, which says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I think it's interesting that in Leviticus he says, hey, count off every tenth and then they're counted as holy. If you want to buy one back, you can, but you're going to pay its value plus 20%. How can, it's not a ripoff. It's not a ripoff. Check this out. If, if you're giving God what is God's, then he's produced something in you that you can afford it. Y'all hear me on that? Like God wants to bless your homes and your, your finances if we're obedient to him. He's asking for a tenth of what you got. In fact, he says the first fruits. God, give God your first. Your first. Your first breaths, your first coffees, your first spoonfuls of cereal or whatever you're eating for breakfast. I don't know. Some people like sardines, right? Give him your first monies. The way I see it is that if I give, I'm giving before I give to anyone else. Something, I I had a conversation, I was really terrible at giving, then I got a job in a church, and I was still really bad at giving, and then all of a sudden, the pastor didn't come to me, the, the executive pastor didn't come to me, the secretary didn't come to me, the treasurer came to me. Who knew the treasurer would come to me, you know? And they're like, hey, I noticed that you haven't been given, and I just want to challenge you. I'm not even going to ask you to give 10%. I just want to challenge you to give half of that. And I was like, okay, why? She goes, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you why. I'm going to give you the, the instructions that are in the Bible. And she gave me a bunch of verses. I went and read them. I prayed about them for about a week. And I started showing up, giving them half my finances. Like, half, not half my finances, half my tithe. You know what God did when I started giving half? Shockingly enough, people would start coming up to me and handing me $100 bills. Because it wasn't out of a pressure to give. It wasn't out of a pressure to, to give him my first. It was literally saying, before my taxes come out, God, I'm giving you my 5%. And God said, because you've been faithful for, with this much, I want to bless you with this much. Now, now it's crazy. I'm going to be real transparent. I give 10% before taxes. You know why? Because God gets my first, the government doesn't. I give God what is God's, and I give the government what is the government's. Guess what? I still pay taxes on that tithe. Does that make sense? So God is asking for us to give him our first. What else could that mean? Do you guys know there's 24 hours in one day? Okay, that's about 1,440 minutes a day. How many of us are willing to give 10% of our day to God? How many of us are waking up in the morning, we're giving him 2.4 hours, 144 minutes, 2 hours and 24 minutes? I got real quiet. Here's my question. How many of us are giving him 2.4 hours a week? If you go, well, I do 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here. If you do 15 times 7, you're still not hitting it. You know what I'm saying? You, 
perspective. But there's so many options to to see how you can give God 2.4 hours a week. But he's asking for it first. Anybody ever see that? He's asking for his time first. Man, Lord, I... We all need to step up, right? Like, how many of us miss a day and we give God zero? Oh, snap. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus, you get, uh, I'm just going to say this. There's so much grace. Jesus said, hey, I died on the cross to forgive you. You know, I, I took all your sin. I took all your disobedience. I took all your junk and I gave it away because it's not yours anymore. It's not yours anymore. So there's so much grace. You can have grace on yourself, but make sure you strive. Make sure you go forward. Make sure you're figuring out how to give them your first. If you're baking muffins, give God one out of the ten. Someone just said, no way. I'm not giving God my, my one out of the ten muffins. Man, you got to give God your one out of ten, like, Lord, whatever this is, like, if there's, think about this. How can you do that? How can you give God something you just baked? You can literally wrap it up in a baggie and go, God, I'm going to drive downtown. I'm going to find the first homeless person. I'm going to give them this muffin because it was made for them. Because, Jesus, you were made for them. Heck, you could drive by here, drop it off at the food pantry and say, hey, they, this, give it to him. Someone can come by and go, wow, this was just freshly baked today. I can eat this because that's God's first. It's your first fruits. It's your first production. It's your first produce. It's God's first. And that's it. Like, we look at, at, at our tithe as our tithe. It's not our tithe. It's God's. So often, we look at our first 2.4 hours of the day as ours. <laughs> Why? Isn't that God's first 2.4 hours with us? Isn't it God's first with us? And yeah, hey, something is better than nothing. If it's your last 2.4 hours, it's still better than nothing. If it's your last 15 minutes, it's still better than nothing. If it's your last five seconds, it's still better than nothing. Hear that. There's so much grace on that. God is calling on us to give him our firsts. Our first, our first words, our first thoughts, our first looks, our first glances our first breath, our first tying of the shoe. Like, Lord, I'm lacing the shoe up for you. How many of us would do that? Hey, let's put on the shoes of the gospel. Right? We, we just got done putting on all the armor of God. And here, Ben's saying, hey, give your first breastplate of righteousness as you put it on to God. He gave it to you, so give it back. God is going to do something fantastic in our life. And he's just asking for the first 10%. How many of y'all give 100% in everything you do? Or you say, oh, I'm going to give 110%. God's asking for the first 11 of your 110. Did you like how I did that? That's math. That is real math. Sometimes I do all right. But if you're giving 100%, he's just asking for the first 10%. Man, I'm going to give 100% in my job, but the first 10% goes to God. I'm going to give 100% in my bike ride. The full 100% is going to God because I know I'm not pedaling this thing without him. 
that's how it should be. I believe God asks you for only 10%, but we need to stop focusing on the 10% and give to the 100. Like, give the 100. Like, you want to get close to God? You want to get, you want to get close to God? You want to get closer to God? Give him 10% more. Give him 1% more. Give him 2% more. Start with the little and watch God show up in your life. You want to you see your life become free? Start giving him 2.4 hours of your day. And watch what he does. And do it consecutively. Don't split it up. Watch what God does when you spend 2.4 hours with him. Watch what he does in the first 2.4 hours of your day. It might come in the, the idea of mental clarity. Someone needed to hear that because I don't say those words. It might come in, in the form of freedom from addiction for the day. How many of y'all just want it for the day? How many of us just need it for the day? I just need my addiction clear for the day, God. Okay, first 2.4 hours, Lord, I'm dedicating to you. 144 minutes, 2 hours and 24 minutes I'm giving to you. If we could do that, how would the world change around us? It's not just to benefit us, because once we're benefited, guess what happens? We're like the, uh, the water spigot. We're like the, the watering can. We just start pouring out all over the place. You know? Like, all of a sudden, you start tithing, God starts blessing, you start pouring out all over the place. You start giving up your time, he starts slowing down your day, and you start pouring out your extra time all over the place, because he's got it, and you're serving him. God wants to change our lives. He wants us to go into battle. But how can we go to battle when he's not even our first 10%? Malachi 3.8 says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. We could define tithes and offerings all day. Malachi, he's a prophet. He's speaking on God's behalf. He has the power and the authority to speak on God's behalf to the Israelites. And he's talking to them and he's saying, hey, Israelites, chosen people of God, you cheated me. You've cheated me. How many of y'all cheat God of, of his time daily? How many of us cheat God of, of our effort daily? Our, our 10% out of, out of 100%. Like, Lord, I, I want to give you 10%. I want to give you 100%. But God, I, I have a hard time just giving you 10% of my work ethic. Is this, is this clear as mud today? Yeah, people are like, yeah, I'm not following along at all. <laughs> but God is saying, your tithe, your 10%, your 10th, means something to him. And when you give him 10%, he'll give you back tenfold. Do we really walk around like that song says? Like, God, you don't owe me anything. Or do we walk around like, man, God, what's God done for me? Like, God, you don't owe me nothing. We'll stand here, we'll sing that song all day. You don't owe me nothing. If I could sing, I'd sing it. I heard somebody over here singing. Boy, you need to talk to Lola. It was so good. I was like, sorry, honey, but I was like, Lola, shut up. <laughs> I was like, that girl got voice. This is real good. Thank you. Lola, yours is real good too. Thank you. 
That's right. She'll hurt me later. Um, but that's, that's the thing. Do we walk around like God owes us nothing, or do we walk around like he owes us everything? And let's take that a step further. I prayed it a little bit ago. Do we walk around like others owe us things? Lord, all I want is you. You don't owe me anything. All I want is you. If all we want is him, and we're walking around going, well, they owe me this and they owe me that, then we don't want just him. We want what they have too. Or what they don't have. Because they owe us. God doesn't say, hey, give me your 10% so you can walk around chasing people to give you what they owe you. Give me your 10% because all I need is him. Like, he's my infinite supply. I need to walk around giving him what is his and stop cheating him because he's my supply. He's my supply. The only... The grocery store ain't got what I need because he's my supply. All I got to say, you know, I, I have a sweet tooth randomly. And someone showed up today and they're like, can I see that thing? Um, someone showed up today and they're like, hey, you don't, God got you in the middle of your sweet tooth. Like, I'm, so many times I'm like, oh, man, I want a Reese's peanut butter cup or something. And, and I don't want Reese's peanut butter. You know what I'm saying. I want a Reese's egg. How many of y'all, it's Easter season. How many of y'all like Easter eggs, like Reese's eggs? No, I'm not giving this away. This was, it's labeled pastors, okay? This is pastor's survival kit, West Des Moines Open Bible. So it's, I have to share it with Lola. But how many times are you like, man, I wish I had a candy bar. I wish I had something with sugar in it. Man, I wish I had that. And you just, like, something on the inside of you says, no. I've done this, like, 15 times this week. And then we finally went out and bought ice cream. We don't ever have ice cream in the house. I've had ice cream for the past three days, you know. I was like, why buy a pint when you can get a gallon? Um, but God says, you know what, Ben, I've got you. Because sometimes when you're journeying through life, when I'm bicycling, I need fuel. And sometimes the best fuel for the exact moment I need it is candy because sugar goes right to your bloodstream. It's immediate. But God showed up because I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm going to deny myself 10% of the time. And he said, hey, Ben, I don't want you to deny yourself anymore of that sugar. That's so good for you. But I don't got to go buy ice cream anymore. Thank you. I don't got to go buy ice cream anymore because the dairy is real bad for you. Um, that's not true. Uh, but so often we think God's not got us, but he's got us in the stupidest little things too. Like nothing to him is stupid. He wants to provide. He wants to give you your best. He wants to give you the things that you think are worthless. He wants to give you, he's got you. This isn't a prosperity message. I don't believe in prosperity gospel, but I believe he's got you with your needs. He's got you with your desires. Yeah, man, I came here back in August. I'm like, man, I just want a new bike. He hasn't provided me with a new bike. Not the one I want. But he's provided me with the ability to update my own and take care of my own. And he's given me the ability to ride my own. The one I've had for 10 years, 11 years. Because he's like, you don't need a new bike, Ben. You don't need that. I don't need the candy. But he knows I want the candy for when I go to South Dakota. So sitting right there, nom, nom. then the gum. Oh my goodness, the gum. I can't wait to blow bubbles. You know? 
But God, is, God knows exactly what you need. We need to rely on him like he is our only supply. How many of y'all just like take it under your own? Man, I don't have the money, but I'm going to go see if I can get some food. What if God just showed up at your doorstep because you were supposed to, like you chose that day, you know what? I ate yesterday. I'm going to fast. I'm going to take that time that I fast, and I'm going to give it to God. It's extra time. It's extra on top of the 2.4 hours. It's extra. I'm going to give it to God. And when you normally would eat, you turn to the word. You turn to prayer. You turn to worship. You turn to him. And he shows up on your doorstep the next day with a bag of groceries. Because supernatural things happen when you do supernatural things. Because it's not natural for us to spend 2.4 hours with God or more. But supernatural will start showing up because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're, you're so full of the Holy Spirit and you don't even realize the, the capacity he's filled you. Because you've given him your life, he's filled you with the Holy Spirit. He, you've given him your life, supernatural crazy things can happen. Like, I don't know if you know this, how many of y'all read the Bible and you go, man, that's nuts, that's crazy. That's a flood, the whole world? Oh my goodness. How about this, a talking donkey. Uh, I mean, okay, so shit happened. But seriously, a talking donkey. How about this? Healings. Broken legs being made whole. Like, how about this? Someone else is speaking in a different language. It happens to be your language. But they don't normally speak your language, and you learn about Jesus that way. You don't know what God wants to do through you if you're not connected to him. Check this out, Malachi 9, or 3, 9 through 12, we're continuing. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you, will, you won't have enough room to take it in. How many of y'all wish you had that problem? No room to take them in. Man, I felt like baptisms, that's my... Oh, we're going to keep on doing baptisms because we got no room to fill this place up anymore because the baptisms are too much. Come on. I mean, we have people out there because it was so full in here. But I want 25 baptisms every week because I want, I want God to show up. It's not about how full this room is. I want God to show up in 25 people's lives every single week. And maybe, maybe at that point, God will bless us with 10% of whatever's in the room. Because we're giving it back to him. I, I don't care. Like, this is about giving God what is God's. If I can lead, if not I, I hate that word. I'm up here. It is not through me. Hear me. It is not through me. If we can lead 25 people to Jesus every week, and they get baptized in that moment, or if they recommit to God in that moment, have we not done what God's called us to do? And it goes on. It says, you won't have enough room right? I got to find that spot. Where did I go? Your crops, verse 11, or it continues on. It says, I'll pull out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. How many of y'all have ever tried it? Here, here it is. Someone's on the fence uh, about giving 10% of something. Try it. Try it. That's, I mean, literally, if you hear anything else, giving 10% of something in your life, and you're like, I don't know, God. Try it. Just try it. It's as short as the shortest verse in the Bible. 
John 11.35, if you don't believe me, go look it up. Jesus wept. Try it. Then he goes on and he says, put me to the test. Verse 11, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. A story that I've heard by a good friend of mine. He said, you know, there was a time in his life, he's older, he's a farmer, he's, uh, uh, he's just turned 60 not too long ago. He said, when I first started tithing, I didn't know what I was doing. But then all of a sudden, I started tithing, God started providing. The bank wouldn't even give me a loan to farm. But the banker saw that I was tithing on nothing. And God showed up to one of the wealthiest men I know. Because he continued to tithe, even when he had nothing. Even when he had nothing. See, this topic, I've read a bunch of verses from the Old Testament. This topic continues. Your tithing matters. doesn't matter where, how, what. Yeah, finances, let me tell you, this church could really use your finances. But if you're pressured into that, I don't want them. I would rather you have your 10% with God every day than the 10% in the offering bucket or whatever. We don't have buckets around church. <laughs> we don't have buckets. I read that. I, th- I, already, I already covered that. We have a, a station in the back. Here's the thing. In Mark 6, it says this. Later, the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They're trying to lure him in. How many of y'all wish you didn't have to pay taxes to Caesar? Preach, preach, preach. If I preached that, you'd be like, oh, come on. I want to hear that one. Yeah, I know that's good. That's not good. That's real bad. That's real bad. You'd be in big trouble. Give your taxes to the government. Do it. Do it with a cheerful heart. I hate taxes. That's one season in my life every year I have to go, cheer up, buttercup, to myself. You know? Like, buttercup, you are not on the right path. You got to cheer up. This, this is what it says, okay? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? That's verse 15. Jesus saw through their hip- hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. When they handed it to him, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Man, I wish I had some money on me. Uh, Caesar's, they replied, verse 17. Well, then Jesus said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply completely amazed them. I have a question. What do you have that belongs to Caesar or the government? What do you have that belongs to you? I want you to think about that. How many things do you have that belong to you or that you've claimed as yours? Now I have a question. Without God, are those yours? Because here's the thing. Without God, the government isn't the government. You ever think about that? Without God, our government wouldn't exist. Without God, we wouldn't exist. Without God, the seat you're sitting in doesn't exist. Without God, my iPad doesn't exist. Without God, I don't have candy. No! 
mine, and Lola's. Lola would beat me if I gave it to you, right? Just agree, just agree. She doesn't, she, I'm giving 10% back to God, so you can find it in the offering. Um, here's the thing. We tend to go, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. You remember I said a little bit ago, your tithe isn't even your tithe, it's God's. That's like, I've literally had to tell somebody at one time, they're like, well, I'll just take my tithe and leave too. And I said, I looked down and I go, good. So you're going to leave God's tithe here, right? And she looked at me like, what? And I said, when you give that money to God, it's God's. And she stopped and she didn't leave. And she kept coming. Because God has a bigger plan than time. And when we try to get in the way and God shows up, your argument is finished. So when you fight with God about giving him your 10% of whatever, knock it off. Because he comes back to you with, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. What's God's? All of it. Lord, what do I do with it? Like literally, when you go out and you start buying a meal, you should be like, Lord, before I buy this meal, before I order this meal, is this okay? Lord, is this okay? Is this what you want me to do with it? Because he might say, no, I want you to go pick up that homeless person, go buy him a burger, and you buy yourself a burger. You can eat cheaper today. I don't ever recommend McDonald's. I don't think God does either. Um, but if that's, if, if, if that's, a, personal, that's a personal conviction, um, that is not your conviction. Like, if you, McDonald's, and you get along, good. But that's the reality. Like, we need to ask God today, Lord, with my extra time, do I give you just my 10% or do I give you my 30%? Like, do I give you my 10% or do I go help Julie Cahill move? If you want more information on that, talk to Julie. But God asks us to do the things that we don't always want to do. But the thing is, is that he wants our time. Our time is not his time when it's ours we keep it. The thing is, is that every single time that we're awake, every single minute, every single second, it's his. And so we shouldn't just be asking about the 10%. We should be asking about the 30, the 40, the 50, the 60, the 100% of our time. Like sometimes I have to go, Lord, am I allowed to go to sleep right now? And he's like, uh-uh. Or I'll wake up at like 2 in the morning. Ben, I got, I got some work for you, Ben. Lord, come on. Is this my time or your time, Ben? But Lord, I only went to sleep 30 minutes ago because that was your time too. He's like, I give rest to those in whom I love. That's scripture. You can look it up. I don't know the reference. But God is calling on us. He's calling on us not to just give our 10%, to give our everything. In Mark 12, it says this, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. How many of y'all would like it if I sat by the collection box and watched y'all dropping your money? I'm just saying, like, Jesus did it. He's my example. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So he watches the crowds as they drop in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. I love this verse. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him. And said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. 
How many of y'all would be like, uh, let me get out my wallet, write you my bank account number? It's hard, right? Like, I got to live then. And I believe there's stewardship in that. I believe there's stewardship in that because the Lord has provided you a job. He's provided you a way to live. He's provided you a way to breathe. You have to be a good steward of your breath, Chris. Can I just, I want to throw this out there. I'm just trying to be funny. Uh, I'm going to preface this. If you were a smoker, be a good steward of your breath, man. Is that wrong? So, hey, 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 if you, if you smoke anything, be a good steward of your breath, Chris. Um, I love you, man. That's the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, we ought to be good stewards of what we got. So if God gives you a job and he gives you a paycheck, be a good steward of it. Like, he wants you to care for what you got. If you got a bill, if you got a mortgage, if you got rent, pay your rent. But he says, before you do that, give him 10%. Because it's your first fruits. It's your first production. In America, our first production is a lot weirder than over in the Middle East because they plant a crop. Their first production comes up months later. They cut it. They give you 10% of their wheat. Back in his time, that's what they did. Today, we give 10% of our green cash, sometimes less. It's, it's more like copper. Someone got that. Thank you. But you know what? God doesn't care. God, God says, if you only have two of them, I'd rather have your everything than a small portion of what you do have. He's, Jesus says that. He's my every need. He's my every supply. And this woman proved it to Jesus that God was her everything. If you get anything out of this, get that. That no matter what, God needs to be your everything. Matthew 6, 19 says this, Don't store up treasures on this earth where the moths eat them and the rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and, and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in, in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. If anybody owns a Lamborghini, get rid of it. That's between you and God. I'm just saying that's between you and God. Yeah, that thing's going to rust here in Iowa anyway. God, God, wants to, God wants you to store up. He wants you to have your mind. What he's saying is that it's not bad to own nice things, but your mind needs to be on him first. Like how many of us desire to have something, some earthly possession we waste way too much time on? Can I be honest? I waste way too much time thinking about a new bicycle. But God desires us to have something. He's created this idea in me that I should go get a vintage bike from my dad and go ride that around Iowa. I just went from 21 pounds to 44 pounds. Here's the thing. God doesn't care that I have something nice. He cares that I'm in love with him. He might take something away from you and you go, Well, God, why did you do that? Anybody ever do that? I'm just going to raise my hand. And he's saying, what? It's not what I can do for you. It's what have you done for me? But typically we flip it on him and go, what has God done for me? Uh, hello? You were able to ask that question. You know? All the time. Here's the thing. You want to see who you serve? I heard this from a good pastor friend of mine. You want to see who you serve? Look at your bank account. 
You want to see who you serve? Where does your time go? I would even dare to say this. How many text messages are you sending out daily? How many hours of the day are you spending on social media? Who, who are you talking to? You want to see who you serve? Check those things out. Those are realistic things we can look at. Literally, I saw that on my, my what, the thing, the, the screen time. I spend two hours a day on my phone. Some weeks it's more. It, the less busy weeks, it's more like four or five. Let's be real. I've, I've seen on my phone, I spent six hours on my phone on average per day. Six hours a few months back. I think I was still in Lakin. Six hours a day on my phone. Now, that's broken up from calls, text messages, and everything else. So it's not just social media. But that week, I can tell you, social media was a big part. Why? What's the point? Unless you're Whitney, you have no, no excuse. Thank you, Whitney. Right? The thing is, is that we can look at our time and see where it goes now. We can look at our finances and see where they go now. If, if they're going anywhere but bills and hardly anything to God. And I, I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down to you this way. If your bills are reoccurring and nothing's going up to God and you go, why am I only living paycheck to paycheck? Maybe look at why you're not giving to God. Okay? That could come in the form of uh, giving to a nonprofit. That could come in the form of helping somebody who needs help. That could come in the form of, like, Lord, I need you to direct me. And that should be our one prayer throughout this whole message. Like, Lord, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to spend my time, my money, my finances, my energy? How do you want me to spend that? Because that is a reality. You want to live a pure life for God? You want to live only for him? Start putting these practices into play. Start looking at what you have and start uh, creating that, that attitude, that mindset, and that direction in your life. I want to end it with this scripture real quick. It says 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a ge generous crop. You must each decide in your heart. I want you to hear that. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You hear that? Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. When we give of our time, don't give reluctantly. Give of a joyful heart. When you give of your money, don't give out of pressure. Give out of a joyful heart. Man, I don't want your money. That's why. That scripture right there is why I said, if you feel pressured, I don't want your money in this church. If you feel pressured to give time, I don't want your time in this church. You know? If you feel pressured in any ways, whatever, if you feel pressured to give more energy, I don't want your energy in this church. God wants your energy. God wants your time. God wants your finances. So we should be giving joyfully of those things. We should be giving, uh, with, like, as quickly as we can. Like, when you get paid, you should be like, God, how quick can I get this money to you? We should be running at the opportunities to bless the Lord. We should be running at the opportunities to, to spend our time to help someone we don't even care for. 
or do care for. We should be running at opportunities. How many of us love people? How many of us love God to do that for us? And how many of us love people enough to do that? If you had to think about the second one over the first one, then I would say you don't even know that you love God that much. I want you to think about that. We say, Lord, I'll do anything for you, but as soon as someone's name comes up, but not them. Like when Chris asked me to go to dinner, I'm like, uh-uh. But the thing is, is that I do it anyway. What's funny is I heard her say, nuh-uh. It's so fun to pick on you, Chris. Thank you. Chris has a big heart. Anybody give it up for Chris. It's a good day for Chris. It is a good day. This is what verse 8 says after it says, you know, for God loves, check this out. We're still in verse 7. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Man, put a big old smile on that face when you don't have the finances to give to God and give to God. Lord, I know you got me. Lord, I know you, you've supported me here. You've been my supply from the moment I was born to the moment I'll die. Lord, I know that my time is valuable, but it's not as valuable as your time. So, Lord, this is your time. I'm going to go. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to break free of the chains that, that I've put around myself, and I'm going to allow your chains to free others. Because, see, he uses chains as weapons. Freedom weapons. Breaking other chains. Jesus wants to do that through you and in you. He just wants your time and your everything. Verse 8, and God will give generous, will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty of it, plenty left over to share with others. It'll be the overflow. You want more Jesus? You want more of his presence in your life? You've got to find it. Not really. I mean, you just got to seek it. You know, once you, once you seek it, once you spend two and a, two, 2.4 hours, not even two and a half, not even two and a half, it's only 10% of your day. Think about that. It's only 10%, 2.4 hours. When you start spending 2.4 hours finding the, seeking the Lord, then you're going to start having an overflow of your day. You're going to walk around being like, there's some presence, there's some presence, there's some presence, because Jesus' presence all around you. You're going to be walking down, people are going to be stealing it. And you're going to be like, I'm fine. You don't owe me nothing. And who said, hey, Chris, be quiet. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you give cheerfully, if you give to God what is God's, he'll give to you what is his to give to others. Because he'll give you the overflow. How many of y'all remember the miracle where 5,000 come and the disciples are like, we got to let them go because they got to eat. And he's like, go grab what you can find. And they find two fish, five loaves of bread or something like that. Maybe I have those mixed up. And he starts splitting them apart and they start giving it out to 5,000. They come back with baskets and baskets and baskets of leftover because the kid gave everything he had. 
And he went home with baskets and baskets and baskets of leftovers that he could feed his family and his friends and his friends' friends with. Man, God wants to bless you. And through you, he wants to bless others. Try it. Try it. Verse 9. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. The good deeds will be remembered forever. Man, how many of y'all wish we had a good deeds ministry in this church where we just got together, we didn't worry about how much we spent to go get food, we went and bought food, we went and handed it out, we, we gave it all around town, we gave it to the Des Moines Metro, we went to Ankeny and gave it, and we gave them this little message that Jesus loves you, this is why this is happening. Yeah, we, we went out and bought it, but guess what? Jesus gave us the produce. Jesus gave us the production. Jesus gave us the ability. We buy a whole store of food. They have to shut down because they don't have any stock left because we're giving it out to the Des Moines Metro. We're giving it out to the, the homeless, the addict, the broken, the distraught, the disillusioned. We're giving it out to the single moms and the single dads out there that are trying to support but having a hard time. But all of a sudden, they got finances to pay their bills because they got meals taken care of. See, Jesus has a call on our lives, but we can only produce it if we're willing to give. But if we're not willing to give, let's not even produce. Let's shut down. For God, verse 10, is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide the increase and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. He doesn't just provide you the money. He provides you the energy to make the money. He doesn't provide you the energy, he provides you the sleep that you can wake up the next morning to have the energy. He doesn't provide you the, the ability to step. He provided you the muscle that would allow your leg to move. He didn't provide you just the muscle. He gave you the bone in your body so you could have something to stand on. He didn't provide you the thought. He provided you the mind that produced the thought for you. He gave you everything. From the moment that you were conceived, he thought of you way before that. He had a plan and a desire and a dream for you before you were even conceived that started producing something. He gave that to you. Your everything is His. Your kids' everything is His. Your mom and dad's everything is His. They might not know it yet, but you sure do. So we got to make it known. Your breath is his, so your words are his. How will we use them? When you give him 10% of your every morning's words. Man, you've got to figure out how many words you're going to say in the day. Give him 10%. How many of y'all know that when you wake up? Lord, I pray you give me 10% of everything I need when I talk to you. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross for nothing. He died for you to know him. We typically say, well, he died so you could have eternal life. Well, guess what? You can't have eternal life if you don't know him. So he died so that you could know him because he first knew you. He came back from the grave to give you eternal life, but it takes getting to know him. He wants your first 10%. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't. I'm going to give you an opportunity because he went to the cross. He took a beating. He was spat at. He was mocked. He was betrayed. And every single step of the way, all he said is, Lord, Father, all I want is you. 
and it didn't matter what was around. All I want is you, and I want them to have 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 you. And he's on that cross, and he's saying, I want you to have him. That song, stars. So he's come up and said, just you. I love you guys. There's nothing against you guys. I just want her to play it in the background. Wait for me to sing. Wait for me to sing. I'm just playing. I'm just messing. Your, your hearts can calm down. I know they're beating heavy. You're like, oh, no, my ears are going to be gone. I don't have money to have my ears checked out. I don't have money. Just give to God. He'll give you, you know. Here's the thing. Jesus died so that we could be set free of our own inhibition. So we could give him everything. That we could worship free. That we could live free. That we could walk free. That we could breathe free. That we could breathe in him and through him and what he's doing. That we could give our entire lives to Jesus because he gave us life. He gave us breath. He gave us a body. He gave us skin. He gave us two legs that sometimes work. I wish JT was. And we, he gave us two arms that sometimes work. And other times he's just calling us to get to our knees and pray. Be the servant that God called us to be so we can love him. Above all else, we can love him. And the overflow of loving him will love others. And it will force us to get a little uncomfortable to do what he's called us to do. Jesus needs you because people need him. And if you're not his, they won't ever find out they're his too. So I want to give you an opportunity. You don't know Jesus. You do know Jesus. You're saying, hey, I want to give him 10%. I want to start giving him. Maybe you just like, okay, I can't commit to the 10, but I want to commit to the one. I want to commit to the 1% more. 1% more. 1% more. 1% more. That's all I want. I want every head back, every eye closed. I just want you to, I'm not even going to ask you to come to the front. I'm just going to ask you, if you don't know Jesus, you want to know him, raise your hand. If you know him and you want to recommit to him, raise your hand. If you're saying, hey, I just want to give one more percent. Because I know Jesus gave me his everything. He gave me a hundred percent. I want to give him one more percent. Maybe you're not giving anything. You just want to give one percent. That's all right. Just give one percent. Maybe you are giving ten percent. Congratulations. Awesome. Maybe God's saying give eleven. Whatever it is, in your own heart. Whether it be time. Whether it be energy whether it be breath, whether it be words, footsteps, where your eyes go, where your heart goes, where your mind goes, where your finances go. You're just saying, I want to give one more percent, two more percent, three more percent. I just want to give more. Lift up those hands. Because Jesus, this is your church. Lord, we sing, I'm sorry for it all. I'm sorry that I didn't give you what you desire. I'm sorry I've looked to you and said, Lord, you owe me. I'm sorry that I've looked to friends and said, Lord, they owe me. They don't owe me nothing. I owe you, God. I owe you. Help me live because you our life. Help me live like I owe you everything because I do.
Lord, help me remember that I owe you everything. I, I owe you the world. Strengthen my heart, Lord, for what strengthens yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Help me be the servant I need to be. Because, Lord, in this world, there are easy people to love and there are hard people to love, Lord. I'm going to pray a dangerous prayer, Lord. Put me in front of the people that are hard to love. Because they need you just as much as I did. They need you just as much as I, I do. Lord, put me in front of people that are easy to love because they need you more than I do. Lord, we, we give it up. We ask you for strength. And we ask you for forgive us. Lord, just come into our hearts. Forgive us of all our sin, all our transgressions. And help produce something in us that says, I want tomorrow to be more for you. I want right now, this next second, to be more for you, God. More. More for you. More for you. Because I want to live a life on fire. I want to live a life in battle. Because, Lord, this is a battlefield. And without you, I'm dead. With you, I'm not. I'm alive and well. I'm breathing and I'm, I'm freeing. Lord, help me be your warrior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for coming. Thanks for braving the ice in the parking lot. Because there's no ice anywhere else. Have a blessed week. Love you guys.